I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome everyone back this week to another episode of multi-generational family wrestling review fun with my nephew, James Coleman, and the August 25th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, episode 259 on YouTube. So James, it feels like a long time since we last spoke. How have you been <laughs> in the last week? Yeah, it's been a crazy week, mate. Uh, just, uh, yeah, absolutely knackered, but really enjoyed this episode. So Yeah, um, good. <laughs> good. Good, A lot has happened the last seven days. Uh, yeah. So to start off with, Boyd Pierce and Joel Watts at the desk uh, this week, which is probably my least favourite of all the combination of commentators. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, because I think Watts is so good. Obviously, Jim Ross is really good. Boyd is good. Uh, but Joel, um, as good as he is at putting together these video packages, um, which we talked about last week, obviously, with the cutting of the film, I'm sure the way he did it, he's, he's just not so good on the, on the commentary. Um, but Boyd is in a lovely blue suit. Um, he runs down the card, and we have the Pretty Young Things versus the Midnight Express, plus Brickhouse Brown versus Buddy Landell after Landell's embarrassment last week. Uh, and we also have our favourites, the Fantastic in Action as well. Um, <laughs> Boyd says that we have Joel with us this week, who has been really articulate and is really coming along. I always find Boyd praising Joel like this a little incongruent given his performance on commentary today. He's, Joel is fine. If you put Joel versus WWE 2020 commentary, Joel is better than the robots yeah. that comment out on WWE. But Joel in comparison with Bill Watts and Boyd and Jim Ross, it's like, it's like night and day. Like The guy's fine and he's better, better from the start. Apart from, did, were you on the week when he, he lost his way and he, looked, he basically was like looking over Jim Ross's shoulder? Yeah, sure, you can tell yeah. he's definitely needing Jim Ross to help him out. Like, yeah, like, yeah, table, exactly. like, yeah, he was just stuttering, spluttering like uh, Buddy Landell last week. Like he was, um, yeah, he just seemed all over the shot. He had a piece of, you can tell he had notes, he was just picking it, yeah, so. <laughs> so Boyd, Boyd says that jo- we have Joel with, Oh, crack, I'm, I'm reading the same bit again. I'm, I'm still, even a week on, even a week on, the, the brain is cloudy, unfortunately. When so our host today lived, is doing his best impression of Joel uh, himself. Yeah, yeah got, this is going to be, a t- I'm sorry for last week's three out of 10 podcasts and my performance. Um, so uh, where are we? Yes. So Boyd then throws to an interview with Jim Ross and Andy Ladd, along with Buddy Landell. Landell says that Mid-South Sports are trying to throw him curveballs. Um, Brickhouse Brown was a ringer, and he's found out that he's one of the toughest guys um, around. This is, I thought this is really good, actually. So, obviously, Landell has realised that, obviously, Brickhouse wasn't just a you know, brand-new wrestler in his first match. Um, but though you think Landell looking at Brickhouse, who's absolutely shredded and also big at the same time, you think, actually, yeah. this guy's probably pretty dangerous. Um, yeah. Landell says that they're trying to make him leave. Uh, and what he's done is gone out and got the smartest guy in the company to help him. And that's Ernie Ladd. Lad says that Landell has brought him out as his advisor. He said that Brickhouse Brown was in the Carolinas and he's whooped a lot of people. And Landell says he wants another match today. Um, again, I didn't think this was, I suspect this was taped back to back here. And I didn't think this was vintage Landell. I wonder if he'd had a heavy uh, night. Um, yeah, so, that makes yeah. sense for someone that's later, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and Lad, um, who so far has been really strong on promos I've seen, um, didn't really say much. Um, what did you think of this opening promo between these two? Yeah, I thought it was just standards. Uh, it's always nice to see Jim Cornette as well. Um, but yeah, so it was just a yeah, good little promo standard and she's show well. So Joel says that the TV main event is coming up uh, first between PYT and... Sorry, you about, were you about to say something there? Yeah, I was going to say, because last week's episode and this week, they do a TV main event, but it's not the main. It's not the last episode in the card, is it? So yeah, no, that? yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, not an, that's not an irregular thing, I would say. I think you... Um, 
quite often in in the years of wrestling television, um, especially 80s and early 90s, a television main event wouldn't necessarily always come last. In fact, um, quite a lot of uh, virtually all of the WF house shows around this time and later, that the, the advertised main event would actually come halfway through the show before intermission. And there's a oh, few right. reasons for that. Um, so the, the house show thing was more to more so that the to, so basically at Madison Square Garden where the WF would run pretty much once a month, you'd have Hulk Hogan's challenger or, or actually before that, you'd have Bruno San Martino and other people and they'd have their challenger whether they won or they, you know, the heel won by DQ or whatever it was because babyface pressure so that they never lost yeah. the title. Um, so basically what would happen is that would set up the following month's challenge. So by the end of the night, um, Howard Finkel, the ring announcer, would announce what was going to come up the following weeks. People could leave Madison Square Garden and go to the box office knowing it was going to be Hogan versus Randy Savage or Hogan versus George Anderson or Kamala, whoever it was going to be. But with regards to TV main event stuff, um, I think that's probably more because they can put, if something happens, they can talk about it for the rest of the show and they can push or they do an angle yeah. and that's the thing. But sometimes you want a cliffhanger. But yeah, this was used quite a lot back then. Um, right. So, yeah, and also actually thinking about it in Mid-South, I think oftentimes they would put, this was quite early, I can't remember being at the, the first up before, but oftentimes they would put the kind of TV main event maybe three quarters of the way through or, or just over half so that they had time to go the full time in it, which yeah. they never did. Um, but then they would put, they would slide in like a, um, you know, bonus match or standby match, as they call it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is the TV main event. And Jim Cornette does a short intro for his tag team um, champions. And they come out with a shot of the crowd showing some thumbs down. But I actually thought most people were clapping along to the Midnight Express here rather than yeah. booing. Um, the key on the screen says Jim Cornette's Midnight Express, but misses out the E at the end of Cornette's name, which, um, which happened twice, which bugged me a lot. Um, I wonder yeah. if Joel Watts was responsible for that or that was somebody else. Um, so <laughs> Definitely PY, Sonny King. Sonny King. Yeah, Sonny, yeah Sonny King's in charge of the, <laughs> charge of the key. Uh, PYT are out next and they get a really good reaction from the crowd. Uh, it's their Michael Jackson theme. Uh, Norvellosa and Condry start with some quick exchanges before Ware gets in there and works on Condry's arm. Joel on commentary confirms for the first time that this is a non-title match and PYT are solidly in control before Eaton and Austin, takes Austin down um, with a backdrop. Fast-paced action between these four, as you'd expect, um, with Hercules uh, outside, your favourite position for Hercules, um, standing in his pants outside, looking after Jim Cornette. Um, and out of... No- Sorry, go ahead. I know, they actually... It was really nice, and they let him sit down. Did you not notice? Oh, they did let him sit down. Actually, yeah, I didn't yeah, notice yeah. that. I don't know why I didn't write that down. I was thinking, he's probably done... In this... I think they used to take four episodes. Um, I've got some people lined up, actually, that used to go to some of these Mid-South taping yeah, so yeah. I'm really excited about hearing more about what it was actually like to go to one of these TV tapings um, yeah I think they t- take four episodes as one go so the poor guy's like don't make me stand up again yeah. like, <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing squats all day like 700 pounds yeah. I, can't, I can't move <laughs> I can't walk um, that's it yeah he's still his arms folded but yeah so like I can't like, please don't make me stand up I would ask for a chair as well yeah. um, so out of nowhere on the outside uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan smashes Hercules with a huge flying headbutt which looks incredible um, yeah. and Duggan gets in the ring for a DQ and a big melee ensues uh, where smashes Hercules in the head with a chair um, as the bad guys are taking over and Eaton caught one on the back and um, Cornette's men head to the outside and that's the end of the segment um, I was a little bit disappointed that this match didn't go on for longer given who was in there um, but this was quite the angle with Duggan's headbutt, headbutt looking really fantastic and the ball afterwards really excited. What did you think of this uh, kind of opening opening segment, really, I guess, here? 
Yeah, I thought the ending was absolutely wicked. Um, PYT looked incredible. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask as well, PYT, because I've only ever heard them being referred to as Pretty Young Things, mm. but at the promo at the start, it's a Pretty Young Things Express. They just they seem to like in chucking Express on the end of everything. But, yeah, I, I, this has come up before. I, I, I don't know the answers to this, because I think they were called the Pretty Young Things, but they obviously you had Rock and Roll Express, you had Midnight, Midnight Express. Express. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether this was a Mid-Southism, but they did use it actually once in one of their own promos. So I guess it might have been like a nickname, unofficial name kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, mainly known as Pretty Young Things. Um, so back from the break, Jim, Ro- Jim Cornette, not Jim Ross, is in the ring with Hercules, um, who has his head bandaged. Cornette said that Bill Watts said that if someone hits someone with a steel chair, then they would be fined $10,000. And he wants what we're out there to either pay the fine or be kicked out of Mid-South. Um, so he says PYT are so broke, they can't even pay attention, much less $10,000. Um, I thought this was really good stuff from Cornette here. Um, and Hercules takes the mic and says that he doesn't care about fines. He just wants Coco Ware out there right now. Um, Hercules has blood on his head underneath the bandage. And Jim Ross says that Mid-South haven't had the time to review the film and now Coco Ware is out, and he says they can get they can get it on right now. Um, Ware attacks Hercules, and they go back and forth at a lightning pace to start before Hercules takes control with some big punches and elbows to Coco in the corner. What says on commentary that in Memphis, where PYT came from, they weren't always the crowd favourites as they used to bend the rules quite a lot. And he's yeah. quite sure that they, this wasn't the first time that Coco used to switch out. Again, this is interesting because people in this area potentially would have been able to see Memphis wrestling now and other wrestling because the advent of cable television. So actually, it, this is this is a situation where these guys have obviously been heels and in another promotion. That that kind of makes sense to the people that, that know that, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. So Hercules gets a near fall after an elbow drop before Coco starts his comeback with shots to the gut. Um, what speculates that Coco may not have the money to pay the fine, but that remains to be seen. But if he can't pay the fine, then he may end up being suspended. Um, Hercules, with blood pouring out of his head, takes control of the chin lock as the crowd chants PYT, PYT. Coco fights back again before his neck is draped over the middle rope in a stunning Steve Austin-like stun gun. Hercules traps Coco in the Shinomaki Million Dollar Dream, and this leads to the ref stoppage in 4.19. Um, I thought this was a really enjoyable contest with both men looking really good. Uh, what did you think of this one? Yeah, so I'll just play this my favourite match on, um, and it's unexpected, but um, it was my favourite match so far. Mm. Which I'm assuming it was an unsanctioned match because of how it went, because he was supposed to be wrestling Mike Jackson. But um, did you see the chair shots, though? I'm almost, I, re- I went back and rewatched them, and I'm almost certain he didn't land a chair shot on his head. Oh really? Um, yeah, so I, I did rewatch it and I didn't see that at all. Um but yeah, the, the match was absolutely phenomenal. Uh although for the I don't know, from last week with Hercules and Andes with um Hacksaw and this week, Hercules doesn't look like this sort of next level beast, does he? Like he's got beat up by was it Coco from P it's Coco, isn't it? PYT. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But you could argue whether that's down to the chair shots or not. But I was almost certain that there wasn't a chair shot in the head. Um, and obviously, but yeah, Hercules got done. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that I wonder whether they gave, I mean, clearly they're pushing Hercules and Hercules is around for a while. This is the thing you've always got to keep in mind with this stuff is that sometimes, because there's such a movement of wrestlers in this in this day and age, sometimes someone's just, just going to be going and they know with two weeks and they just beat them. And, that, and it's like, well, why did that happen? And then you look up yeah. online, it's like, well, he's moved to... Florida or wherever 
Yeah, actually, hopefully he's around. I think they gave Coco quite a lot of offense in this. Um, Loads, yeah. He looked really, really good. So. Yeah, he did. I think that was primarily why they did the, the, the chair shot that um, and, and the blood basically with Hercules. Um, but I do agree they are pushing him, um, and, and they're going to be continuing to push him for, push him for a while. But I know what you mean. Also, PYT they're on the way out here, but we we move. You know, they they touched on that around the fine, etc. Um, and, and I think we talk we, we go on to that a little bit later on, don't we? In terms of you know what happens here. Um, yeah, with the fine, and this might be too early to ask it, but the fine's ten grand. Funny enough, and after in the last episode, everything you said about chunking our dog about how he owed um, uh, Bill Watts um, 10 grand. Yeah. Do you reckon that's the reason why it's 10 grand? Or just, just random? No, uh, possibly. I don't, I don't know. I mean, these these weren't real fines. It was like a storyline device. Yeah, of course, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah. but we, we'll, we'll touch... So I'm jumping ahead of myself in this episode, but we'll touch on what happens later on. Yeah, okay. But her, Coco and Norval Austin are, are on their way out. So, it, again... Sometimes you think, well, actually, did he did he get the offense at such a level here because Bill Watts is really fond of them and he wants them back, but it's never worked out because that's another thing as well. Because these guys would, I mean, Rock and Roll Express are coming back, but they haven't been on TV for ages now, and they lost the yeah. loser leaves town for ninety days match, and that was something that had happened quite a lot. Someone would lose one of those and they go somewhere else in 90 days. It's so different to yeah, yeah. you know what it is now, where someone's locked down under contract for a long time. Um, so back after the break, we have Steve Williams in the ring with his uh, Steve, Hel- Steve Williams helmet partially on. Um, he asks where all the tough guys are. Where is Terry Allen? Not using his, his wrestling title of Magnum TA's real name, which I'm sure uh, Magnum did not enjoy. Where is Terry Taylor? He challenges all the tough muscle heads to come out and challenge him for his helmet. And he's not giving it up for nothing. Um, you think this is going to be a match versus Williams, uh, a match with Williams and Germany's favourite son, Hans Schroeder, but actually he goes, um, and it's Sonny King who'll be in action against Schroeder. Um, and as we sort of said last week, um, King's matches have been somewhat iffy quality-wise, um, to say the least, and this sadly is no exception, with some really rough spots, um, and it eventually ends in two minutes and two seconds, courtesy of a Sonny King flying headbutt, which is his speciality. Uh, what did you think of this, uh, this match between Schroeder and King? I've never been less excited for a match in my life. Um, <laughs> the hand shredder, I think I saw two weeks ago as well, and he wasn't anything special. Mm. Sonny did actually, he didn't do anything wrong with his match. It wasn't anything silly, anything with him hurting anyone, falling out of the ring. Or anything no, like that. no, it's just bad looking punches and stuff. To, be, to, to give Sonny King his due, he's not, he's in wrestling terms, I think he's late force at this point. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's been, he's been around for a long time and probably broken down body etc but yeah he's he's not the easiest on the eye is he in some of these matches no, and he looked absolutely exhausted and when <laughs> they do the little running out the ring uh Hans Schroeder's running to get back in the ring just so he can just sort of waddling along behind yeah. him like just not but well that's why Hercules had to sit down I mean they've probably been there for they'd have done all the looks I don't know if we've talked about this so, so what you what you don't see is going in and out of breaks if you were sitting in Oklahoma or um New Orleans or anywhere in the Mid-South area, you'd get local promos based on what's coming up at your arena. So those would be different depending on where you're watching the show. Um, so basically these guys for these TV taping days would be doing like pro- localised promo after localised promo to push the matches at the arenas. But that isn't part of the body of what we see and what's on WWE Network, unfortunately, because it's all different. So each, each yeah. different area would get a different tape with this being the master. But yeah, I'd imagine these guys probably are knackered. They probably all bit. They probably yeah, been yeah, there all day cutting promos. Probably, I think they all probably got in the night before, so they probably all went out in uh, in Shreveport the night before at some some local place. So you can, I can only imagine now, like yeah, it must you know, be. It must the be. The eighties yeah. would have been. They'd have all have been 
you know, at it the whole time, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, so we have Buddy Landell versus Brickhouse Brown up next, um, with Brown having defeated Landell in two matches the previous week. Um, Landell, is out, Landell is out there with Ladd and says to Ross he should announce his advisor. Um, this has a strong start with some good arm drags from Brickhouse Brown. And what speculates that Landell seems to be a little scared of Brown and that sometimes he can't back up what his mouth says. He adds that Brown is a double tough man and a smooth mover. Um, and Landell consults with Ladd on the outside and slows the pace and catches Brown with a boot as they went for a collar and elbow tie-up. Um, Ladd on the outside trips Brown as he was running the, the ropes, but he managed to move out the way of a Landell elbow. Brown then fires back with a couple of decent-looking drop kicks. Um, Ladd then gets up on the apron and he gets a, a drop kick from Brickhouse Brown for his trouble. Um, he then heads into the ring and gets another drop kick, which sends him clean over the top rope and then right over the ringside railing in an impressive bump. Um, Landell has had enough at this point and they just both leave. Um, so this is another win for Brown. So Brown has beaten Landell three yeah. times now, this time by counter at 442. I thought this was decent. What did you think of this one? Yeah, was, I was really confused as to why he got the match though. I mean, once you've been, uh, even in wrestling and stuff, uh, WWE and things like that, when someone gets beat that cleanly twice in one night, why would there be another match? Um, I yeah. The build-up of a rivalry things, but to me, them rebooking the same match with only Ladd in this corner made no sense. They made Buddy look a lot stronger, which is nice. Um, he didn't just get smashed. But I didn't see the input that only Ladd had. I, other than the fact that only Ladd did the worst fallout of a ring I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, um, like, oh come on, come on. <laughs> Brown did like, a really amazing <laughs> drop kick. And it was like the worst falling out of the ring oh, I've ever no, seen. I'm not sure I'm having that. He he uh, he went over the top rope. I mean, he, this guy's this guy's not young here either. Over the top rope, and then he went right over the uh, over the ringside. I thought it was, I know it was it was very, relatively slow motion. But I thought this was this was this was pretty special. I thought from uh, I haven't seen much of it mid south. But I thought I watched <laughs> that little tumble out the ring. I was like, oh my god, is he all right? Like, <laughs> I just thought it was incredible that he managed to get the momentum to uh, you know to to get basically over the top rope and then over the um over the the rail all in one motion <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, that, was, yeah. that was incredible <laughs> i'm just looking up while we're talking about um so so you know what's the thoughts behind the the third match basically and and actually landell and brickhouse brown didn't do a didn't do a series at the house shows up straight off this they had one more match one more singles match at, um in uh, in New Orleans in uh, October, um, and then they had another match on television later in the year in November. But actually, yeah, they were, I'm not sure what they're thinking by the behind the third match. Is obviously Landell didn't lose, but he chickened out and left. And yeah, he's like, yeah. Well, actually, what what's the? You've kind of got your you've got your two wins. It may have been better if Landell, especially if they're not going on the road together, because you could say, well, actually. Uh, you know, Landell walked out, but he said, no, actually, next time I'm going to beat you, I'm going to get you this time. And that yeah, yeah. Show match, but they didn't do that. Um, yeah. so, only Lad there. Only Lad didn't really do anything. So that's no. what confused me. If only Lad would have smashed up um, Brickhouse and then obviously Landell's jumping up, that would have made sense. But yeah, it just didn't to me. But The, the thing with only Lad is that's interesting is that actually... Um, there's not not too far away from this point. He is he is being and he and he already has been somewhat um, positioned towards McIntyre, who's there, who's mid South North American Championship, so the top title. Um, and actually, it's not too too far away. And he's already had some matches with Magnum at this point. But Mag- Magnum is not around on TV too much. I don't I don't know what was happening around this period. But he um, he is a bit absent at, at this time. I don't know if he was injured. 
um, or something was going on. They was acting on that on the on their live event circuit, but not on television, which which was a slight odd one. Yeah. Um, so after this uh, this match, we get um, what I think is the third airing of the fantastic sharp dressed man video. Um, which I think have you seen this one before the sharp dress? Yeah, I've seen yeah. it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not we're not going to recap that again. But this is this is one of the better videos that they do. Um, and then after that, we have Art Cruz and Randy Barber against the men themselves, who get a great reaction from the crowd as always. Um, I love their their theme. The, the fantastic theme is so good. Their fact their um, ZZ Top theme is just perfect. Big guitar riff at the start. It's just so good. All the all the all the crowd going nuts. I mean, they they really. They really the nail babyface, don't they? Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They are the quintessential. The guys just look at these guys and then they, they want to be them. They're no booze, no, nothing. And the girls are like, "Well, crikey, these, these this is the best thing we've ever seen." Basically, yeah. um, so uh, the Fantastics are on a high after their win over Conjuring Cruise Ship the previous week, uh, and they are in their white long jackets, white bow ties, and blue trunks. And they gave give each other two elaborate high fives to start. Did you catch these high fives? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like a jumping high five, wasn't it? And they yeah, went through it twice. Yeah. Um, I used to love the Fantastics. They were absolutely fantastic. Um, with their promos, I thought, all right, bloody hell. But then, do you, so you said you enjoyed it. They're walking, their entrance. After listening to their music and watching that promo, we've got to do it again. <laughs> no one else in Mid-South Wrestling seems to have an entrance. Well, I'll, I'll, they I'll do. T- I'll tell you a secret. I skipped the video because I've seen it before. So. Ah, really? <laughs> but then they do, like, they do the, the video package and then they do the entrance with the same music. Yeah. And like, no one else gets an entrance. Like, you know how in WWE... Like, they don't do many entrances. No, that's true. That's but right. The fa- yeah. They gave the Fantastics one this week and they mm. took ages to get to the ring and they're just... <laughs> high-fiving each other and like doing all this. It's just like, just get to the ring wrestle, mate. Bloody hell. So I, <laughs> I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I love the entrance and I love their elaborate high <laughs> I, would, I would like to see five minutes of the Fantastics on Mid-South Television just doing different high-fives and then beating to opponents with technical, technical moves. That would be a great episode. Uh, if any of my friends tried to high-five me that way, I'd never be friends with them. <laughs> no, I'd just copy no. powers. That is that is that is fair, but this is this is uh, this is. I thought this was really good, really really funny stuff from from them, and I love the fact they did it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, it's go time as Rogers makes a fast start. Fulton gets in, but unfortunately misses a head scissors, but soon regroups. Um, and in terms of ring action, uh, Sunny King aside, I thought this has actually been a really strong week at Mid South. So that the, the in ring stuff has been really really good. Um, there's a lovely Rock and Roll Express s double drop kick on Cruz. Watt says he's travelled to many arenas in the Mid-South area with his camera and the people just love the Fantastics. And after a brief rally from Barber, the Fulton slams him down and Rogers hits a great-looking splash three-quarters of the way across the, w- the ring from the second rope uh, for the win in 1.55. And what did you think of this? Uh, what do you think of the match portion of this, uh, this fantastic segment? Do you know what? Fan- uh, the Fantastics seem to have such a better skill set, uh, skill set than everyone else. Uh, they're an actual tag team. Uh, they look incredible. Uh, Barber and Cruz. Uh, we saw Cruz on last week's episode. Yeah, right? we did. Yeah. Um, they're obviously not a tag team, are they? Maybe they might be, but uh, not. No, not these. Just two people playing together. They're fighting together. Yeah. But the Fantastics, like as a team, they're phenomenal. Their skill sets, other than maybe Brickhouse, they just seem like someone that would fit in today uh, rather than just a standard arm drag. Oh, I completely agree with you. I, I think you could you could lift these two guys out of this point. Put them in. I mean, maybe you'd have to maybe you have to tweak the act a little bit. But in terms yeah, of, of in ring, put them anywhere against anyone. And you put you put these two guys in their prime against the young bucks. You're having a great match in television. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what I feel about the Fantastics. It's not like this old. Like when you watch a Magnum and people like that, they're great in that era. Whereas Fantastics, I feel as though they'd be great in every era so far that I've seen. 
Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about. I think Magnum might have been actually to be fair to fair to him. But I know what you mean. There's a few you see and you think, well, actually, is this a bit? Uh, this is a bit time and place. But some some people, I think the real the real the real top top people, you can lift them out of any time and that, yeah. and put them in another time, and it just works. And I think yeah. that about. I mean. Um, there's so many examples of that, but the, these guys definitely would work. I think Rock and Roll Express would. Uh, Magnum, I would put on the list of, list of working. Yeah, maybe that's um, a stretch of his fingers on, but like someone like Khrushchev. No, no, that's like, fine. Yeah, yeah, like no, that, I yeah. agree. So Khrushchev, Khrushchev's a good example. So Khrushchev back then, he he did a really good job in demolition in the WRF. But actually, I wouldn't say oh, that right. you could lift him up. Um, yeah. The kind of ninety, kind of they were on the way out by sort of 1991. He came back as the Repo Man. And then he was in WCW after that. But I wouldn't say you could pick him up at any point and put him anywhere, even though yeah, he yeah. was a big star in the WF in the late 80s. So that, that's, that's the difference. You're talking about the difference between, uh, you know, a Ric Flair, a Bret Hart, a Steve Austin. You yeah. can pick those up, put them anywhere versus someone that was, you know, very, very good, but <laughs> not necessarily transcend generations like some of these guys could do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm just, we're just going to really go quick on this next match because it's it's just there's just nothing to it. So we have Ernie Ladd and Crusher Crusher versus Rick McCord and Josh Stroud. There's literally almost nothing happens in this. Yeah, Ernie I literally Ladd. put nothing happened in this yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, Ernie Ladd won with a leg drop in 202. <laughs> it's just like they just got him in, got him out, and that was it. Do you have any, any more thoughts on this uh, this match? No, I have literally. To be fair, I can't even remember it. It's just <laughs> not much happened. Like I knew you knew because I'm. Did we see Stroud last week as well? Yeah, Stroud, Stroud's the one with the incredible body, but they just don't do anything with him, yeah. which is a bit of an odd one. Yeah, and this McCord, I don't know who that is. I've not seen him. So I've far, seen so. Rick McCord before, but again, there's there's not this is not a not a memorable segment. But the next one we get is a memorable segment. So yeah, last yeah. up, we have an interview with Jim Cornette um, with the key at the bottom. Misspelling his name again. Um, just does Sonny King, that bloody yeah. Sonny King. Yeah, I know Sonny King, wrestler slash Kia from Mid South. Yeah. Uh, Cornette is in the ring with Hercules who has fresh bandages on and um, Cornette says that nothing stops this man and he wants to see Coco either pay the $10,000 fine or be kicked out of Mid-South Wrestling he adds that any time he blows his nose or does anything he has to pay a fine he doesn't care if it's Bill Watts' favourite or not Coco Ware has to pay this fine um, Jim Ross says there is one set of rules for everyone and he's sure that they're going to apply to them Ross says that Austin and Ware are on their way out and Cornette asks him to enforce the rules. And Ross says that he can't enforce them, but he will relay them. Ware gets on the mic and said no one said anything when they brought steps in, to, in the ring to hit him or a tennis racket. He says they don't have the money to pay the fine, but they're going to stay there. Ross says that they know the rules as well as anyone else and they will have to pay the fine. Again, Austin says they don't have any money and they're not going to pay the fine and they're not going to leave the area. Ross says... That's what the rules say. It's a $10,000 fine or they have to leave and he doesn't make the rules. So in the background, while this is going on, there are referees holding back Hercules. Um, I thought this was a really, really good segment. Um, yeah. Like It just explained it and, and a bit of a spoiler alert, but this is, as we touched on earlier on, this is the last we see, we'll, the last we'll see of PYT in Mid-South um, with the two making their way to World Class very shortly after this was filmed. Um, so, what did you think of this uh, this this segment in terms of the you know the, the, the chair shot? They've, they've established the fine system for this sort yeah, of stuff, yeah. and they followed through with it. Oh, it was absolutely amazing! It, and do you know what? At the time, it must be so weird, especially if you're a big wrestling fan, to see Jim Ross and Jim Cornette in the ring together having their little uh, their little argument. But the confusing thing for me was um, I'm 
uh, the one thing I've gathered from the five episodes I've seen of it is PYT are the baby faces. Yes. And Hercules, obviously the bad guy. So PYT have broken the rules, hit him with a steel chair, and then are refusing to go by the rules and pay the fine or disappear. Yeah, so, that's a good point. That yeah, was a confusing thing for me. So I was like, so surely that's that's a hill turn usually, isn't it? Like that's uh, yeah. Maybe maybe you know what? Maybe I, and I don't know. I, I suspect they probably weren't a hill tag team in world class, but that makes a lot of you, what you said is completely right. Actually, I think they probably should have been, you know. Should they have been like, well, we can't afford to pay, so we're going to have, we, you know, we, we we understand the rules, you know, we, we're men, we're men of our word, you know, um, so we're going to we're going to go. So no, I can I completely agree with that, and they're they're, they're yeah. gone, so this is it, they're not, and they're not back. Um, so after this, uh, last up, uh, we have another look at the shortly debuting Adrian Street. Um, did you Shazam this song? No, I didn't know. Uh, it wasn't as good as last week's one. No, so it wasn't. Like... It wasn't. It was called. Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Kosh. Um, wow. again, yeah, again, this is a similar theme to last week, uh, but this time there's some in-ring action from Adrian, mostly in slow motion. That's They slowed it down rather than like a, like a you know, um, an early lad kind of bump to over the top rope on the outside. And it shows him playing with his pigtails uh, and also uh, with a lady brushing presumably lint off his jacket. Um, and actually, you know, this wasn't as bad as you'd imagine it could be. Uh, and, and as I said last week, I'm still cringing at the prospect of where this could go. Um, so Boyd signs off and that's it. <laughs> a good in-ring episode of Mid-South. We got the writing off of PYT in a plausible and understandable way, uh, which I'm sure will be followed up on next week. Uh, plus the continuing animosity between Duggan and Cornette's Midnight Express and Hercules. Uh, so what did you think of this uh, August 25th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling? Oh, I loved it, mate. Fantastics were I love the Fantastics. Uh, shame I didn't see much of Terry Taylor this week. I mean, um, oh, I know, love, yeah, yeah. Do love seeing a bit of Terry Taylor, but yeah, it's a good episode. Um, I do. They are introducing that uh, Brickhouse Brown incredibly well. Uh, if you follow it each week, it's gonna it's, it's gonna get better. But I would have assumed that going by something you just said, um, I would have assumed that this uh, Landell uh, Brown rivalry is going to be quite big, but it sounds like it's not. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. That you, you think that's where they're going, but that that isn't. I, I mean, I, I don't know if they interact on, te- on television a bit more. But I, oh, I do know actually. They don't. They don't. Not even in tag matches or anything until later in the year. So, yeah, um, yeah. that's confusing. But as a, when you just reflect on the entire episode, because this episode seems to be building quite a lot for like um, the Brown and Landell, and obviously the PYT versus uh, Jim Cornette and um, uh, Hercules, and there seems like there's great foundations for two great rivalries there. But yeah. by the sounds of it, neither of them evolved into anything. But no, yeah, the, the episode, it was a good episode. The Cornet stuff is, is staying, but yeah, the PYT are gone. Before we depart, uh, James, I'm now going to ask you for you, I'm going to put you on the spot again for the second time in two weeks, and I'm going to ask you for your UFC 252 predictions. Oh, okay. I've got the fight card in front of me. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so I'm going, to go, I'm going to go in the reverse order this week rather than the main event first. Yeah. Uh, so what are we talking about? I don't, I don't want... I just want the top five matches. There's some interesting names on this one that I actually know. So let's go from Jim Miller to... And, and the first fight I pick is someone that I, I can't... Is it Vink Pachel? I've actually butchered that, I'm sure. Uh, uh, Pachel, yeah. So that's a lightweight contest. So who, who are you picking for... Uh, Jim, Jim Miller. Jim Miller's come up yeah. from... Um, he's come up from uh, Cage Warriors. So I'm going to go Jim Miller. Okay, great. So Magomed Ankalev <laughs> versus... What is this? Iron Kusalaba? 
I mean, yeah, his names are ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even know who this, this fight is. What weight class that? Uh, light heavyweight. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't even think. Of, I don't even know those names. Well, that's interesting. But for a pay per view, because that uh, maybe that's yeah, that would be. It's usually the top five are on the show, aren't they? The pay per view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Ankle Yeah, yeah. So he, um, yeah, he just won. So I'm gonna go for him on the he's base. He's ranked fourteen. He fought, and yeah, yeah. He fought like um, two months, a month ago. So he's fought in the island before, I think. So. Yeah, I'm actually Where is this? Is this? Oh, this is Vegas. This one. So that. Yeah. Oh, it's not. I didn't realize it was back in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, they're back in Vegas. I'm not sure what they're doing with Fight Island now, but I presume they'll be back at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in the bantamweight division, John Dodson versus Merab Dvashvili. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is this? Is this some sort of some sort of joke, isn't it? I, I, I don't know why I even tried to tried to do this because I can't pronounce any of these people's names. Dobson, I, I really yeah, apologise. Yeah. <laughs> Dobson's gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go for Dobson. The bantamweight division is so dead at the moment as well. So, um, other than literally the top six, so who's champion? Uh, the champ is uh, Pete Young. Okay. Oh, no, he's um, he's flop. No, yeah, he's yeah, Pete Young. Uh, so one I've heard of, um, Junior Dos Santos versus Jazinho Rosenstruck. Rosenstruck, yeah, he's gonna absolutely smash JDS. He's uh, the old now, Santos, Santos, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I think he's probably like 30. Actually, he might even be old enough. He's 42, 41. Is he? Wow. Yeah, he's quite old. But um, Rosetrick, he just lost some Ganu. Um, literally, I don't know if you saw him Ganu's last fight. It was just a windmill punches. Uh, I think so, Amazing. Yeah. I said um, that um, DeSantis was old, but he's actually two years younger than me, which is great. 36 no years young. So yeah. He's been around forever, hasn't he? Yeah, Alice Rovering vibe. Like, just been fighting for years and years. Yeah. Ago. Like, wow, I didn't realize because he's like the gatekeeper to that heavyweight division, isn't he? Like, you beat him, then you're in title contention, you don't, and then you're back to square one. And that's the problem. If he, beat, if he beats someone that he's not supposed to, it's like, well, he, you know, he's not going to win the title, is he? So that's, that's, the, yeah. that's the problem, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a stupid question. I actually know, I'll, I'll save that question for a moment. Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. Is that a relation of Brandon Vera by chance? I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, but Sean O'Malley at the moment they're protecting so much so Sean O'Malley's going to win that if they don't then that division's going to be a little bit you know Sean O'Malley's like the saviour for that division so so the main event is Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier I thought Cormier was champion no he so Cormier versus Stipe won Cormier won it then yeah. they did Cormier Stipe 2 because Stipe is probably the best hero of all time and then Stipe won because oh, okay. Cormier started being a bit of a dickhead Um and then now they're doing the, the trilogy fight, which has absolutely annihilated that division because you've got so many people now in line for that belt that deserve it. Um, it's just, yeah. So when, when was Mio Chich and uh, Cormier 2? Uh, that was, I think, um, about a year ago. Oh, was it? I think I watched that. Maybe I, I, I yeah, quite, I, I don't remember that at all. I, th- I thought the last time I saw those two that Cormier won with like a, like quite okay. a shocking, quite a shocking situation but yeah August 17th 2019 quite a did that little Valentina Shevchenko dance at the end of the fight and they apologised for it right okay won. so um, yeah So, but I don't understand like Stipe did deserve the rematch but now he's won there's no way DC deserves that rematch I don't understand why they're doing it but yeah it's always seems like Cormier's been on the verge of retiring for a long time as well and he will retire, but then he'll end up coming back to fight John Jones again. Uh, Do you think? No yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Is anyone really interested in that? Like, no, I don't think so. John Jones, John Jones. Yeah, and whoever, and this thing as well about holding up that division for over a year. 
John Jones wants to do DC and go up and fight for that belt, but you, there's no way you can give that fight to anyone other than Ganu. But Stipe's already beaten Ganu, so it's just like it's just crap at the moment. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because I don't think you're going to get a Conor McGregor fight and, until there's crowd back. So I think they need a gate receipt, don't they, to make that make that work. So you've yeah, got yeah, kind I of feel. a few things on hold, haven't you? Anyway, thank you. So there's more some more ways to earn some good money on UFC uh, there with those with those bets. I would put a accumulator on all of them because they definitely want to come in and just put as much money as you can on all of them. Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I've never even put an accumulator on UFC either. So <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? The, the one, I've, I, one I nearly got years and years ago was... Um, Joe, you know I'm really going to struggle to remember what the, what the heavyweight fight was. The main event was GSP and Dan Hardy, um, and there was a, there was a heavyweight match in the semi-main with I think Shane Carwin versus someone. And I had an accumulator on those two fights that they both end in the first round. And the Shane yeah, yeah. Carwin one did. I, put, I don't know. I put 25 quid. It was really really good odds. I think it was going to be like 500 quid or something that came in. And GSP had Dan Hardy in an armbar near the end of the first round, and he wouldn't tap out. And like after, I remember after the end of the fight, GSP was like asking him, like, are you like double jointed or something? How did you not tap out? And he wouldn't tell him. Um, but yeah, that's a long time ago now. But anyway, thank you so much for your time again on uh, this week of uh, Mid-South, two weeks of Mid-South at the moment. And we will look forward to having you back in the near future. And where can Amazing. people remember to, put, to give your actual Twitter account? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, um, Mr. James Margate is the old Twitter handle, so. Perfect. Thank you very much again. As your pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.